Macaro. Macaro. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Geordie. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. <laughs> oh, frog. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. That might happen a lot th- today, I think. Hey, Fever, it's that time of year. It is. I've had I've a runny nose. I've been sneezing. Yeah, I've been Can sneezing my little face off. Can hardly see through these little piss holes in the snow that I call eyes. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you get that thing where you get the itchy throat and the itchy ears at the same time? Um, I don't necessarily get that so bad. But my friend, Rebecca, who we'll talk about later, gets that and she makes the weirdest noise. Unk, 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 unk. That's what I do. That's what I do too. It's horrible because you've got your fingers in your ears and your tongue is trying to scratch your throat. And it's like, you know when cats are up and they're like. Oh, God. It's a bit like that. It's a bit like that. It's not attractive. Has anyone told you that? (laughs) (laughs) Andreas. (laughs) So what's happened this week for you, Michelle? Oh. I spoke to Robin Gron earlier oh, at the weekend. Okay. My mother, a.k.a. Mummy, I think she's known yes. as around these parts. She said she was looking forward to listening to the food episode. I said, um, uh. not sure we did one about food. I was really racking my brain. I was like, oh, you mean potluck party? Oh, gosh. So, people think it's a food episode. Yeah. So I don't know if you she- noticed some of the uh, posts that I was putting up on Instagram. It was like, it's not about food. Mum. <laughs> do you know what? I think Robin's onto something. Maybe we should do a food episode. That's a great idea. Let's talk about food. Let, thanks for the hot tip, Robin. Not today, though, hey, because we've been talking about something else, haven't we? We have. But actually, on the subject of food, may I just go back to a comment from Al Teggett? Oh, yes. The yes. macaron debate. Uh, the macaroon macaron. So I think he's actually correct. He's correct. Did you not see my reply to him? Yes, I did. It's a coconutty biscuit. A macaroon is a coconutty biscuit and a macaron is one of those pastel-coloured little confections made of egg white from Ladurée in Paris. Yes, but I kind of knew that as I was saying it during the episode and then I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's all gone wrong. Would you like strut up to Ladurée in Paris on a romantic weekend with your fiancé and say, could I have like um, half a dozen of those purple macaroons, please? <laughs> <laughs> Do you like macaroons, Andreas? I like macaroons. Let's have macaroons. Like balloons <laughs> and maroon. <laughs> Come on. Do you do maroon macaroons? I can't even talk. <laughs> but do you say macarons or are you what? the asshole that says macaron? <laughs> no, I won't say macaron. I'll probably just avoid saying the word altogether, to be honest. Can I have that? Is... Can I have two of those? <laughs> those purple things. Can I have one or actually two? Because they're quite small, aren't you? They, you need two just to put them in each cheek. Oh, well, thank you very much, Altagut, for um, bringing that to our attention. He even though also it... said something oh, about yes. another word that I said last week, and it was a debate about um, gawk or gawp. I said gawp with a P on the end, gawping, like I'm looking at something long and hard. Is that what I said? I can't remember. And he said that he picked up on it because I think that he didn't recognise the word or something and it could be said as gawk in America. 
gawking at something. I think that's Australian. I think uh, I think it's gawking in Australia and uh, in America, and maybe the Brits gawp. Right. But when you say it too much, it all just sounds weird. I'm starting to feel like the words just like it's wrong mud in it's my just mouth. A bit wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Let's just not think when we talk. That's best, isn't it? Yeah, like that's always. Don't people tell <laughs> anyway. you not to do that though? They say you must always think before you speak. Yes, I know, but I never do that. That's probably why, That's why I people am enjoy where I am in life. <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> so what are we talking oh, about today, Michelle? Well, actually, it was something that you had um, discussed with me because of your friend, Rebecca. My friend too. Hi, Rebecca. And uh, space clearing. Yes, that's right, because she is an intuitive. Hang on. She is an intuitive energy healer and artist. Mustn't forget that part because she's a wonderful artist. Yes, but you've done that with her, haven't you? I have. I've done the one-to-one soul painting. She did it for my birthday and it was amazing. She'll do this thing where you... Uh, we had to do it on Zoom, obviously, because it was right yeah. in the middle of the pandemic last year. But she had... We had a, some music on. I think we agreed on a playlist mm-hmm. and you kind of just... We did things like looking at each other and drawing without picking the pencil up, doing like a, a like a picture of each other. What do you mean? Like what? Like look, in the like air? Look, no, onto paper. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you said without picking the pe- pencil up. I'm like, what? Like you have the pencil on paper and you just draw okay. as what you're what you're seeing without thinking oh. about. It. It's about detaching. I won't go into the whole thing, but you could. It's about detaching your mind from what you're doing. So it just comes from within. And afterwards, I mean, I did think beforehand, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. I'm not really into it kind of thing. But I had the most wonderful time. I felt open and I felt like I'd done something nourishing for myself. Okay. I loved and it. And how, how did the art look? <laughs> it wasn't too bad. I've actually, I did two paintings and yeah. I then went, I, did, I then joined her weekly Zoom La La Art Club, which you can find on Facebook, everybody. And I, I kind of went over the top of them because I didn't love it. And I did yeah. some more with her on her oh, La La very Art Picasso. Club. I know. Very Picasso. And now I've got them up on my wall. I love them. But I really want a piece of hers. Like I want to get her to, I want to commission her. You want a piece of her soul. I want a piece of you. (laughs) But listen, she told me this magnificent story and it was about, because she's also a space clearer and she started doing that. And she's got um, a case study who has allowed us to discuss it on air because it was quite an interesting story, Michelle. It was astounding. Let me tell you all about it. So her client got in touch with her. Her daughter had been experiencing weird feelings like she was being watched. And in the house, whenever the daughter was in the house, the daughter is college age. They always felt like somebody was watching them. And on a couple of occasions, the daughter, whilst in the family home, did see form. She did see spirit form. Okay. A ghost. Or something like it. She didn't feel scared. She just felt... I don't know. Just uneasy. like there was a presence in the yeah. room. Yeah. Okay. Uneasy. So the family were freaked out by the whole thing and they did hear footsteps as well. Whoa. So the client heard from someone about Rebecca who does space clearing and she'd done a bit elsewhere. So she got her on board. So Rebecca turned up. At the house. At the house. She's got all these animal spirits that she's attached to. She's a shaman. So there's a lot of shamanic kind of things that they do like Mother Earth and Father Sky. And then she needs to send to herself to protect herself while she's doing 
this space clearing because she doesn't want yep. to collect this bad energy. So anyway, she walked in, she sat down at the table and she was chatting with the client who was explaining to her what the situation was. The lady was chatting, making Rebecca a cup of tea or whatever. And as she was sitting there, Rebecca felt the tops of her arms go warm, like somebody had put their hands on either side of her arms, not threatening. a feeling. Was it like a hug? It was like a hug from behind, yeah. So she felt this weird hugging, fugging, hugging (laughs) sensation, warm feeling, and she wasn't feeling threatened at all. So... That started to give her the giggles, but she had to pull it back. And then she started doing her thing. So her thing, to clear a space, is to go around every corner of the house. This took her about four hours. She was walking yeah. around and smudging it. You may have heard of that before with sage, burning sage. So it's like a like a, like a stick thing and it's burning and she has to get in yeah. all the corners. And that's a primer. Then she has to come through with sound. So sound is next with a rattle or a singing bowl or you can use bells as well kind of shaking out the sounds around the house as well. Then there's a pendulum. Now, the pendulum was there to pick up on energy from what I gather. So whichever she would go, like she went to certain places, like there was a door above the kitchen. The pendulum was swinging wildly. It was going nuts. Yeah. Okay. So she focused on the attic space, which is where the family said they felt the energy was coming from the most strongly. And that's Mm -hmm. where all the footsteps and stuff were going. Now, there's no windows in that space. Rebecca said she had to go on a journey which is like a meditation. I know we use that a lot, but this is what they call it. It's a journey. It's like you have a meditation where you go somewhere in your mind. And we've done this as well with her meditation, artwork, one-to-one things. It's great fun. You shut yeah. your eyes. You She talks you through it, but she can do obviously to herself. You can smell things. You can hear things. You can feel things. You can see a field. And she was she was in a meadow. So her journey took her to a meadow and she saw this little boy running through the meadow with thick dark hair and he was giggling and he was full of love and joy and he was really sweet but she realized that was the spirit that was attached to not necessarily the house but perhaps the daughter so she so Rebecca said to him have you got anything you want me to tell the people that live here and do you have any messages for that you want me to pass on I don't think he had anything to say really but she then told him that it was time for him to move on he couldn't stay here any longer and it was safe for him to move on so she was being really sweet and kind to this little boy and then told him to move on now because there was no windows in the attic space she left the door open to the spare room and that was where the pendulum was going nuts so the so because there were no windows the spirit could exit out of the attic yeah. and find a way out of the house through an That's open right. door or window. The girl of the family was worried. Was She was concerned about a door in the house, which she had asked her parents to change or to remove. And that Ooh. was where the pendulum was really going crazy. <sighs> so Rebecca spent ages on that, giving it a good clearing, the bells and the whistles and all that kind of thing. And when she went, when she finished, she went to leave after her four hours there. Yeah, She went downstairs And the lady of the house said to her, did you use this downstairs loo? And Rebecca said, no, I didn't use that. She said, it's just so weird because I put the plug in the sink earlier. This is the woman talking because I was changing my jewellery and I didn't want it to go down the the sink. And then when I left the room and came back, the sink was full of water and went and she showed Rebecca. She turned on the tap and said, this is how loud the tap is like that. I would have heard that because I've been down here while you've been up there doing all that stuff. It's really weird. So it's silently filled. And then Rebecca realized that because the spirit had nowhere else to go, it wasn't able to escape in the attic space. 
Yeah. Another way of coming out is through water for spirits. Oh. So that's what had happened. Oh so then my she God. was able to pull the plug and literally spirit, pull the plug yeah. on this spirit. Yeah. So they believed that the energy was in the water. But normally what you would do is you'd put rock salt down and then leave it overnight and the owner would come along afterwards and vacuum it up. That's another way to get rid of the energy. The spirit. And all Isn't the that energy. bizarre? Yeah, right. Also, My before God. she left, Rebecca also went under the stairs and while mm-hmm. she was giving it a good look over, she noticed a three, she can't remember the name of the name, but there was a name, a three-letter name written in chalk under the stairs. And <gasps> she called the woman in and said, was that here before? Because she didn't see it on her first way around the, the house. Yeah. And she was like, I don't recall that being there before. So okay. <gasps> it was weird. That was weird. But it was later explained away. They found some photos of when they first moved in and it was there then. But they just had forgotten about it, I think. So it was probably the builders or whatever. Okay. Has Rebecca had any feedback from this family since? Yeah, saying that they saw the pictures of the three-letter name under the stairs. But they also said that they do feel a lot easier within the space. They do feel as though, I don't know if they feel like it's gone, but they definitely don't hear the footsteps anymore. Okay. Yeah. So Rebecca told me something else interesting about the girl. Okay. She said she had recently had an operation and had possibly been under and I think possibly had some time where she wasn't physically alive like maybe she was dead for like she flatlined she may have flatlined I think that's what happened and there is talk in the shaman world of a spirit attaching itself to a person who is flatlined and coming back with them oh what's she on about silly bitch what it made me think about near-death experiences, which I'd love to talk about today. But you had a clearing, didn't you, in your flat? And not because yeah. you felt like there was a ghost in there. No, I never felt like there was a ghost in there. But I actually, when you had spoken about this, I went through my emails. This was back in 2012. So a really long time ago now, nearly 10 years ago, because I wanted to clear the energy in my home. Um, and it was after a, a bad breakup. That bastard. Oh, that bastard who's left me. And the thing is, he'd, <laughs> he'd gone and... And left all his shitty energy behind. Yeah, he did leave his shitty energy behind. And I was in that house and it was mine now. You know, I'd I'd gone through all the process of buying it on my own. He was literally out of my life. But I just felt like this space needs to be 100% mine. So... Yeah. And you went about getting it all done up as well. It was beautiful, yeah, the finish. Yeah, yeah. you know. Because he'd never wanted to spend money on renovating. And so, you know, I had, I mean, I remember I cleared out all of our possessions, like mine and his that were left in the apartment. I remember I took like 25 massive garbage bags down to the salvos to, you know, just give it all to goodwill. I mean, it was really a good clearing out, loads of stuff to the rubbish. But there was, I just felt the energy was a little off in the apartment and also there's this one room which really it's the most beautiful room in the apartment and I never went in there I it, it had the most sunlight it was the most beautiful room but I just never used it really and I thought god what is going on with that so I looked into space clearing and like I said it was many years ago and space clearing is for anyone who doesn't really know what it is it's meant to clear stagnation in your house get rid of energy because the theory behind it is just through everyday living. So whatever happens in your home, good or bad, it leaves an energetic imprint, not just 
in the walls, but in your furniture, just in objects. Like it's like a dust in a way. It's like you should clear this energy out, but with dust, you can see it. You know, mm. you can see, and you would never let the dust in your home like clear up in layers. But the energy, because you can't see it, you let it. That's what happens. There. Yeah. Well, you just let it build up, and you can't see this energetic mess to get rid of it. So that's why some rooms have a really nice feeling and some rooms don't. And I just thought, right, I've got to do something about this. So I found this woman online and she came to my home and I actually wasn't allowed to be there for the the ceremony that she did. And this took three hours. But like what you said with Rebecca, there were bells and, you know, How did you know she weren't there? She told me, she said, what I do is I use sound, I use smoke, I use smudging I there were a lot of flowers a lot of flowers she brought um, flowers everywhere. she brought loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of flowers which came with armfuls of oh like bags and bags of flowers and they were very specific type it actually reminded me of when you're in Thailand and you see all those um, marigolds orchids and things. oh no more of the marigolds that are in like ceremonial yes. things and they were everywhere all different colors and I have to say afterwards yeah, she, because she's also, I mean, she was amazing. She was a Reiki master. She also yes. did Feng Shui and she was a, she had dowsing skills. So right. she had a lot in her tool kit of, you know. Yeah. And she was an architect. So she understood amazing. building and design. Yeah. And um, so she went through it all. And afterwards, I really did feel more at ease in in the apartment that front room was still a bit weird but she said there was a lot of really heavy sticky energy um particularly in the room that had been my ex's studio and that was now my bedroom and that that room felt absolutely wonderful and yeah so I did feel like there was a lot of you know really good good consequence to that and actually I, I, I tracked her down online because she's changed the name of her business and yeah you know people had said people had lots of really fantastic um testimonials saying that after after they used her they you know one woman got pregnant <gasps> you know another person used it to sell their home because it just wasn't selling so they mm. used her and their home sold within 20 hours of the space clearing people felt more relaxed people felt like they weren't stuck. They had, you know, just more energy. They felt more mm. vibrant. And, oh, I and want I, it now. Yeah. Look, honestly, it was it was really fantastic. Um, I don't. It's it didn't feel immediate. I mean, I, it felt good afterwards, yeah. but I think it was more like this cumulative feeling. Like the more I just felt happier and more relaxed in my home. Yes. And, and part actually, of that could have been to do with you also. Um, you know, finding your feet as a single woman now after all the compromise that you have. I mean, whether your relationship was good or bad, you would have had to have compromised in some respect. And I remember I was around, so I know the compromises yeah. that you would have to make regarding cleanliness levels or taste levels and things, you know. <laughs> Don't mention orange juice gate. Wow, that's another time. God. But yeah, it was... It was hard. He he loved clutter and I hate clutter. I know that feeling. Oh, so, you know, we had very different ways of, of living. And, mm. you know, it really felt like actually after this house clearing, the space clearing, it, it was my space. Yours, yes. And she had interesting things to say, actually, because I was trying to attract a good relationship into my 
into my life and she said, right, put a, two people above your – like a picture of two people above your bed because that's yeah. what you want to attract into your bedroom. Yeah. I had to get sticks and beat the mattress to get in, like to beat out old <laughs> energy beat him from out, my mattress. Yeah. yeah. And things like um, you're not allowed – you shouldn't have a bed by the wall because that means two people can't get in on either side of the bed. Oh, I see. Yes. I, so I, you I need, get that. You need to position your bed Open. to invite a second yeah. person into your room. Don't have anything under the bed because that oh. is um, a bad storage of energy. It gets into the energy under the bed. You need Ooh, clear space under I've a bed. I've got a lot of shit under my bed. This is all feng shui. We should really mm. do an episode on feng shui because I think it's super interesting. But, yeah, the space clearing was amazing. But Well, we've got um, Tamira who's on the feng shui as well. She's a She a is. Feng shui. Oh, we should get... Yeah, get her on for that. Hi, Um, Tamira. What was I going to say? I just wanted to give some details about Rebecca or Becca Bourne, she's known as, intuitive painter. You can find her. If you're interested, she can come and clear your space. And she is at Becca.Bourne, that's B-E-C-C-A-B-O-U-R-N-E dot artist on Instagram. Oh, amazing. Oh, I'll have to check that out. I'll put some links in the show notes as well. So you had a clearing because you just had a bad rela- I'd, re- I'd yeah, bad energy relationship juju. Yeah. You felt you I felt wanted the, it gone. Go you on. wanted that gone. Nothing to do with ghosties. And I don't think people really necessarily need to feel like ghosties in their house in order to get a space clearer in. You said no. to me something recently about do you think anyone's ever died in your house? Well, yes. And I said, yes, of course I do, because this is a house that's been built from the 30s. It's yeah. been it's been added to many times since then. But I'm sure people have died. People have been born. People have broken up. People have had terrible times. And that energy often leaves an imprint. So I guess that's why you would need. But it does. Everything that happens in your house leaves an imprint. Yeah. It really does. And like I said, it's energetic mess. You've got to clear that out. So you've yeah. got something fresh. I actually think I'm trying to sell my apartment at the moment and um, maybe Rebecca could could help me sell because it's not moving. I do think it has something to do with COVID, but who knows? But yeah, yeah so there are all sorts of reasons you can get a space clearer in. Yeah, to help sell a house, like you said. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, but just, just if you're feeling like – like you're procrastinating or just kind of stuck or just a bit blah. It, yeah. I think all of those things can, you know, having a space clearer can really help to, yeah. to push Yeah, and I don't think you need to be necessarily woo to, to go no, for that. No, of course not. No, 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 no. I mean, like I said, this woman was an architect. Yeah. You know, she's she understands building and structures, and but she has this other side to her practice. And I'll put a link to her as well if anyone's interested in finding out more. To about me, what it she makes does. a lot of sense, definitely. Mm. But I was also thinking about your room as we were discussing it just now, that front room, because I know exactly when you were describing it, full of light. It's got it's got double window, double aspect windows. It's yep. a great room, and it's got some lovely furniture in there. And it looks lovely, but we'd always eat in standing up in the kitchen, wouldn't we? We'd never go and sit at that table. And if we did, we'd eat quickly and go back in the kitchen and hang the out there. The kitchen was the heart of that house. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It's bizarre. So, yeah, the kitchen, yeah. I don't know. That, that room really is the most beautiful in the apartment. Never gets used. So um. weird. So anyway, going back to the shame and belief that, um, that things can attach yourself when – 
It's about portals. There's The word portal comes up a lot with Reiki, shamans and uh, near-death experiences. Portals get opened and things in the ether that we can't see can attach themselves. Why am I talking about this? Well, because near-death. And look, before this episode, you said to me, listen, I have watched this Netflix <laughs> show called Surviving Death. Yes. And the first one was on near-death experiences. And you said to me, please go watch it before we do the That's recording. Right. So I did. And I only watched this one episode. And I have to say to you, I absolutely loved that episode. And it has really, really stayed with me. And I've found myself thinking about it a lot. And Is that because of the woman, Mary Neal? So canoe lady I call her she yes, she for me was that. the standout story of that mm. because she, like Mary Neal Dr. Mary Neal Dr. Mary Neal she was a physician a GP yeah mm-hmm. and so she is not somebody who is and she it says this in this series um you know she doesn't she never believed in anything like life after death, reincarnation, yeah. none of this stuff. She She's a physician. She deals with the body. She deals with science and facts and blood and, you know, like that's that's what she deals with. Yeah. But her experience really touched me, really struck a chord. Like I said, she, she's a doctor from New York and 20 years ago she's had – not only was she physically dead, but she was dead for a long time because long in time. 1999, she went to Chile to go kayaking with a group of kayakers and she went down a waterfall and ended up under 10 feet of water. She had said, I actually took down a couple of quotes from her because she was such a beautiful speaker. She said, I was not breathing. My torso was absolutely plastered to the front deck of the boat and I could feel my bones breaking. I thought I should be screaming, but I wasn't. I felt no pain, no fear, no panic. I felt more alive than I've ever felt. Yes, that was incredible, wasn't it? But the next thing that she said really like, oh, sent shivers down my spine. She said, I could feel my spirit peeling away from my body. My Mm. spirit went up towards the heavens. I was immediately greeted by a group of somethings. I don't know what to call them. People, spirits, beings. She said, I didn't recognize any of them, but they had been important in my life somehow, like a a grandparent who had died before I was born. So ancestors she's talking about. Yeah. But no, she did. I think she, I got the impression she didn't know them. But no, she, she didn't knew that know they them. were some, somehow important in her family. So like ancestors, like grandma, well, she grandma. she said she didn't recognize grandma. any of them. Yeah. But they were important. Like three grandmas ago life. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of these beings were, were there. And they said they took her down a pathway and they were so happy to see her. And do you remember she said everything was covered in hundreds of thousands of flowers exploding in every color yes the brightest colors she could she'd ever seen and she Mm. could smell it and she said she experienced all of eternity and that this pathway that she was being led down went to a dome structure and she said she had an overwhelming sense of being home but at the same time she could flip back to the river where her body was still submerged underwater and Oh, this was so awful. She said mm. she was under the water. So clearly drowned, not breathing. Yeah. Because nobody stays underwater for 15 minutes. No. And she said... It was longer than that, Michelle. No, no, no. She was underwater for 30, but at 15, 
Yes. Oh, right. I said at 15, that's when you can't. At 15 minutes, her colleagues right. gave up on a rescue and started trying to go into body recovery. Body recovery, that's oh, right. Yeah. And so they were there for 30 minutes trying to find her. And one of the guys saw her life jacket pop up downstream and thought, oh, maybe her husband want that life jacket. So he went to try and recover the jacket because they couldn't find her body. And yeah. as he reached to get the life jacket he felt her body touch his leg and Mm. he was able to reach under the water and grab her wrist and he pulled her body up and she said these are her words my body was bloated and purple and I had fixed eyes there's no doubt there was no doubt in my own mind she says that I was physically dead but I watched from the entrance to the dome structure as they started CPR and she could hear them. Mm. And the other kayakers were saying, come back, come back, take a breath. I know you're still here. But quite frankly, if your body is bloated, you're purple, you've been submerged underwater for 30 minutes. You're a goner. Like, come on, you're not alive. And she said she'd been without oxygen for 30 minutes. And the statistical likelihood of her survival should have been zero. Mm-hmm. But she's alive. And what really stayed with me is she said she didn't want to go back down into her body. And she said she had this really physical sensation of being held and comforted yeah. by all of these beings. And, and they all told her everything was fine, but it wasn't her time and that she had more work to do and that she had to go back to her body. And when she opened her eyes, the guys who were trying to resuscitate her freaked out. They were like, Oh, my God. Because, I mean, you don't expect. What I find really interesting is that this body was obviously bloated and purple. And her eyes were fixed. Yeah. like So she wouldn't have opened her eyes. She may have blinked, maybe. I don't know. They were already open. Oh, God. Yuck, Michelle. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. So, anyway. But but tell what happened next because it just gets more and more freaky, doesn't it? Well, so they dragged her out of the water and mm. managed to drag her through this like Chilean, um, like not Amazonian, but like full on rainforest up to this tiny dirt road in the middle of nowhere. And it was the 90s, wasn't it, where there wasn't really any cell phones no, or anything no like that? No, there's no cell phones, yeah. nothing like that. There was no way to, to call for help or to get any kind of rescue. They get up to this dirt road. There's an ambulance miraculously waiting right there where they get up onto this dirt road. So Inexplicable. Just, just bizarre. And they told um, her husband she wouldn't survive the night. Well, she did. And, you know, her brain, she should have had brain damage for being dead mm. for that long. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Nothing. I mean, her body was broken. Her body was completely... Yeah, she had to learn to walk again, didn't she? Yeah, she had to learn to do everything again. Mm. But her brain was absolutely fine. She made a complete recovery and she's working as a physician today. She looked like she still enjoyed a bit of kayaking as well, Michelle. Yes, she did. I think so. (laughs) And the thing was that, um, you know, during her NDA, her near-death experience, NDE, sorry, her near-death experience, when she was in the dome structure, the beings told her something so heartbreaking that she did not want to believe that she'd been connected to this other realm. She didn't want to believe that she'd had this near-death experience because if she 
believed it, then she had to believe what they had told her was true. And yeah. basically, they told her that her elder son, Willie, would not live past the age of 18 and that he would be killed suddenly and unexpectedly. And he was age nine at this point as well. So can you imagine that, you know, that, oh. knowing that future for your child? Yeah. Horrific. So she really, really wanted to not believe that this near-death experience was real. She wanted to believe that it was something else because, you know, she did not want to believe her son was going to die. And just before his 18th birthday, she w- went to him and said, listen, I need to tell you something. When I was dead in those 13, 30 minutes, I, hmm. I, I went somewhere else and these beings told me that you were going to die before your 18th birthday. And he was like, yeah, whatever, mom, you know, it's not going to happen. I'm fine. And he turned 18 and he didn't die. Yeah. And she relaxed. She relaxed. She was like, oh, okay. What they told me was wrong. It's all fine. Yeah. But two years later, her son was killed by a car and it hit him and it killed him instantly. Yeah. And yes, he made it past his 18th birthday, but not by much. And she just said, you know, she knows what she experienced was real. She knows that what they told her was true. And it just totally changed the way that she perceived death. And she said, you know, that it's not the final word. Physical, it, physical loss, you know, it's, it's one thing. But she knows that she'll see him again because... Yeah. She's had that confirmation almost. Yes. And, you know, it's... There's so much to unpack here because, yeah. you know, first of all, is there something about humans that we can survive beyond physical death? What is that? And, you know, what happens after we die? What happens when the, the brain stops working? When does consciousness end? Mm. Well, this is the thing. On that, on that documentary, for one, there were thousands of more than thousands, plenty of thousands of people who had had very similar, if not almost exactly those experiences. And they're called experiencers, aren't they? These people who have had near-death experiences or NDEs, as it's called by, I think Raymond Moody was the psychologist who wrote a book in, I think it was in the 60s or 70s. He wrote a book about it because it had become such a prevalent thing. Because in the 60s and 70s, resuscitation medicine had become more prevalent and people were experiencing this more rather than just get having a heart attack and that's it, end of, goodbye. There's no coming back from that. But because people were having near-death experiences on operating tables or like Mary Neal had had a terrible accident and then been brought back from being dead for a long time, yeah. a lot of psychologists, a lot of scientists are now saying to themselves, hang on, how can the unconscious mind present as conscious? How And there's no way that they can prove it. There is no experiments they can do. I mean, unless they hooked up someone's brain just at the point that they were going to have that near-death experience and survive it, that you just can't tell the future. We can't tell the future, so we don't know. It's really interesting. And the other thing about experiencers is that once they've been through an experience like what Mary Neal has experienced and all the other people, it changes them. It's like taking an acid trip a friend of mine who I spoke about with at the weekend he said it's like taking an acid trip once you've seen the things that you've seen you're changed yeah you know inside in your mind the door has opened and you can't unsee it and the people who haven't experienced those things 
they're not enlightened in the way that you are. They don't know. So they don't understand and they think you're crazy and it can yeah. be really hard to continue with your relationships and marriages and things after you've had a near-death experience, they say. Yeah, that I've, I've read that a lot, actually. My grandmother had one. Really? Not Nana. Yeah, not Nana, but Grandma. And I remember her telling me about it. Well, she was probably telling my mum about it. And I was just there. I was probably about 11 or 12 or something. Yeah, Yeah. it was a few years before she actually died. But she said that she'd had this night where she she was feverish or she wasn't well. And she had a very vivid dream of um, her husband above her with his arms outstretched. She was trying to reach him, trying to reach him. He, he's long dead right. and she was really happy and comfortable and didn't want to go back to her body but eventually I think he told her she had to I can't remember the details but I remember hearing my grandmother telling my mum about it and yeah. thinking wow and then we were we were watching this you know this documentary when I watched this documentary there was another lady who had a near-death experience whilst giving birth and she knew beforehand that she was going to die her name was Stephanie Arnold but it made it made me remember something that happened to me when I gave birth to my last child, because she died for thirty seven seconds. I didn't die. I was high as a kite and also all kinds of drugs. Yeah. But the pain it was the first time I'd experienced. Maybe I shouldn't talk about this on the podcast, but it was the first time I hadn't been cut down there, like episiotomy. Yeah, it was the first time I you, you'd had an episiop- episiotomy. No, I'd had two episiotomies before. This is the first time I didn't have an episiotomy. It just naturally tore and the pain was searing. Perhaps I shouldn't talk about this for people who haven't had babies yet or plan to. It's all right. Let's just cut that out. But the pain, I was was experiencing a lot of pain and I was also on a drug like that they popped, like a pill that I popped. So it must Mm -hmm. have been some kind of uh, painkiller, like heavy painkiller, cocodamol, something like that. And as such, I passed out. For about, it can't have been even a minute, Michelle. Mm-hmm. And I remember having the the deepest sleep, the most wonderful warm feeling was washed. I felt like I was there for ages. Like even, I think, meadow, there was a meadow involved. Mm-hmm. I was really relaxed. It was in the sunshine. I was having a lovely time. But I could hear people yelling my name. That was irritating. I was irritated <laughs> by them. You know, my husband saying, push, push. People yelling at me to push. And... I eventually opened my eyes, but so reluctantly, and I felt like, oh, oh, hi. When I woke up, I was like, oh, my God, where am I? I had been asleep or out of it or whatever for less than a minute, not even 10 seconds, probably. I'd just gone like that. Oh, you know. But it felt In a matter like... of seconds. But for me, it was a long, like that whole feeling of time stopping, of all time being at once, and I was happy where I was. I didn't want to come back. I was comfortable. I think it's your brain's way of... So, for example, with Mary Neal, the doctor who kayaked over a, a, a waterfall, maybe it's your brain's way of comforting you. Or maybe it's a big release of endorphins or something to protect you. you well, know? look, maybe. And I I did look into a couple of, you know, things about what it might be. Certainly... Um, there was drugs. You so you had drugs in your experience. Mary Neal didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there are all these different claims about, oh, maybe it's drugs. But it could be drugs. 
And actually, I found this article on a website called Scientific American that looked at studies related to near-death experiences and psychoactive drugs. And look, the way they say the way people describe their NDE is similar across all over the world, no matter the culture, the country, or the person who shares the experience. And they say things like, you know, your life flashes before your eyes. You have the sensation of leaving your body, being above yourself, blissfully travelling through a tunnel. Yep, time sl- yep. time slowing down. Light, um, the feeling of being, you know, light, light as a feather, yep. um, connecting with something universal, like all of these things. But or what, being above from your body and looking down. Some one. people have that. Some people yeah, don't. Not all. Yeah. yeah. But what they're suggesting is that instead of these experiences pointing towards like a realm after death, perhaps near-death experiences just reflect changes in how the brain functions as we approach death and that it's about brain biology rather than you know transcending into some other dimension Mm. so there's a study that looked at um, 625 people who've had NDEs and they compared the language the people used who when they were discussing like when they had their near-death experience Mm. uh, their recollections against 15,000 people who had taken 165 different types of psychoactive drugs. And <laughs> and look, when the stories were analysed ling- linguistically, they found that NDE recollections were very similar to the way people described taking ketamine. And Ooh. they thought that maybe NDEs and oh. ketamine might like affect the brain in the same way. Well, they use ketamine as a as a anaesthetic. Do they? Yes. Well, well, for animals, for humans or? Yes. Okay. Well, look, maybe there's something in that. And what they say at the end of this study is that, you know, look, who knows? No one really knows. But the language people use to describe that is very similar. And what they propose actually is that perhaps giving terminally ill people ketamine could be a way to have... um, to give people a sense of not being scared of dying yeah. because oh. because if it's similar to an NDE, then maybe they could give ketamine in a therapeutic way um, to sort of induce that NDE state so they mm. get a preview of what they might experience and to kind of relieve so the anxiety scared, yeah. about it. So I thought that was actually really, yeah, really sweet. When I was doing doing my research, I found this woman called... Sherry Army. It's it's spelled Amy, but she says Army. Basically, she was dead. Amy. Sherry Amy. She <laughs> she was dead for ninety minutes. Whoa. Yeah, I mean that is like fucking switch it off. She's gone. You yeah. Know? But and then she sits up. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done yet. Not quite like that, but in 2010, she had a cardiac arrest. And to put this into context, she'd be in this like super high-flying like tech corporate programmer, earned like hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. She was like super amazing, owned her own digital tech firm. Um, and then her, her heart failed one day with no warning. And wow. she... Earlier that day, she'd said to her husband, I'm not feeling great. And he said, I don't like this and took her to the emergency room. When she was in the emergency room, she had a cardiac arrest and flatlined. Oh, well, that was fucking lucky, wasn't it? Well, yes, but she flatlined in her husband's arms. 
So, fuck, awful. And they tried to resuscitate her and all the doctors were ready to call time on her. But there was one doctor who was like, no, keep going. We're not losing her. And she had 90 minutes. I mean, she was flatlined. She was dead. Yeah. Dead. 90 minutes of chest compressions trying to get her heart to start. But finally, something happened and they managed to bring her back from the dead. Basically, what happened to her was she had 90 minutes of this near-death experience. And... She said she knew she had crossed over. She said her body was floating in this white space and she felt as light as a feather. She said she just felt really free. And she said there was no panic. She just felt like, wow, this is so beautiful. She was out of her body and she was in this whole other realm. And she said she felt connected to family on the other side and that there was just no distinction between her and these beings it was all just one but this is what really fucking I don't know terrifies me in some ways she said when she died it's kind of like what what people say their life flashes before Mm -hmm. your eyes that happened to her but she said it was a review and not just her of her current life but the experience of her soul and everything that her soul had ever undergone wow ever and she said previously she had no knowledge of near-death experiences didn't believe in reincarnation so all of this was new to her but she said she got a window into these prior lives and she learned that there are recurring themes that will come back time after time after time life after life you mean yes Like if you believe in reincarnation? Well, even if you don't believe in it, it doesn't matter because you come back time after time to relearn. Well, not even relearn. If you don't learn the lessons, you come back. Mm. And she said that she saw these themes and common themes. And she, in that moment, she realized that her soul was attaching to no matter whatever body it was, her soul was attaching to her again and again and again, trying to get Mm. her to not have these common themes to learn these lessons that she was meant to learn. And she learned it and she learned Uh how to clear it. So basically when she crossed over, she said all of her worries and her burdens were sucked out of her body and that she Mm. was just light and soul filled. But she said in that moment, she learned everything and that the way that we are all living is we're all living life backwards. To put this into context, she says everything you've ever learned is wrong. But she lives by these five key principles, which are ethics, integrity, loyalty, love, and community. So she's not saying that, oh, if you think you should be good, well, we should be bad. No. What she's saying is everything we've been taught is wrong because we've been taught that we have to have rules and that there are boundaries and that you shouldn't say certain things. But what she's saying is that is completely wrong. There are no boundaries. There's nothing that you're not allowed to do and say. There is no cap to anything. There are no limitations. And for her, she realizes that there are no limitations in her life because she's realized from having this near-death experience that everything is multidimensional. There's no forwards. There's no backwards. There's no sideways. It's everything all at once. And that nothing is a straight line. Everything is coming from everywhere. She says the biggest mistake 
that you can make is that if you think you're doing anyone a favor by putting your own purpose on the back burner, you're doing it wrong and you will face it in your moment of death. You will have to answer it to yourself from for not doing your life's purpose, for not following your heart for not following what you should if you're doing things for other people and not following your own true purpose at your moment of death you're going to have to face it and it will be the most painful thing you will ever have to face oh god it makes me a bit worried that she's advocating being selfish well she is and this (laughs) is abraham too You can laugh, but I really believe it because if you're not the best person you can be for yourself, you've got nothing to give anyone else. It's empty. It's hollow. But selfish is different levels. Right, yeah. So I'm talking about kindness and care and being caring of for others because you want to apply what how you want to be treated to others, right? But, but she said, she did preface that by saying love, community, ethics, integrity. Yeah. You have to okay. have all of these things. Yeah. But if you're doing everything for everyone else and you're not following your life's purpose. Being a martyr, she means. Well, if you're being. Like if you're acting like a martyr, putting your needs to the bottom of a priority list. Yeah, but that basic, kind of thing. Yes. But if you're not following your heart's passion, then you're going to face it at that moment of death. And she says, if you think hell is some hellfire and brimstone, forget it. Hell is knowing that you've wasted your life doing everything for everyone else and nothing for yourself and you didn't follow your heart. And that is the hell that you're going to have to face. And she said, it is so painful because she said, hell's not what you think. This is hell. The hell that you wasted your life. I can see on your face that you don't believe this. I want to ask you a question. Yeah, ask me. Does she have, the, the look on my face was related to my question. Does she have a website where she's monetizing this at all? Absolutely not. She says, okay, good. She says, I, she said, I am not a guru. I don't want to be the person that goes around saying, be like me, I'm the best. She said, no, make your own decisions. She's, she's a blockchain programmer. She's gone back to doing her tech finance okay, stuff. So that's she, how she's working. Yeah. And she loves that. And that's her. That's how that she makes money. And she's making soul. a shit ton of money at doing this. She doesn't need to tell anyone her experience. She said the reason that she's telling people about this is because, please, people, wake up. Wake up. I've seen what it's like. I've seen what it's like to have not been following my purpose. Mm. And she's like, this is what I now do. Please. She says her purpose now is to live without fear. She's like, I don't hold back. I don't not do things because I'm scared of what other people will think or, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. She's like, no, I live fearlessly because I know what it's like to be held back by fear. And her perspective and where she comes from from everything for her life is different. And for me, honestly, that's just really struck a chord with me. I feel like... It's time to start doing it, Michelle. Well, it's just time to stop being scared because... If what these people see is true, if when we die, there is nothing to be afraid of, yeah, then what are we doing here, living confined and living scared? And when if it all doesn't matter, if at the point of death, we go somewhere else and where it's all love and happiness, because honestly, if I talk to Andreas, he's like, Michelle, when we die, that's it. We are in the ground. We uh-huh. are burned or buried. Life yep. is over. There's nothing Somebody more. Somebody turns the switch off and it all goes and it's black. Done. 
that's what his belief is. Yeah. And I think, well, if you believe that, then what do you care? Like, what do any of us care? Why are we not being happy? Why are we not spending every day? Because we enjoy life and we want, we want more. We want more of the life that we're living, I guess. But then why spend your life being fearful of death? Why not just go, fuck it, if we're going to die, then make every day count, every moment count. Let's be happy because if there's no point to it all, if the meaning of life is that there is no meaning, fuck it. Yeah. Like, just have really, a good time. Really? I can't stop thinking about if we have to live our own purpose, what the fuck is my purpose? What is uh-huh. What is it? It boggles my mind and I've... I've been thinking about it a lot, too much. I feel like you're about to embark on a journey, Michelle. Maybe, maybe. I'll keep you posted. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you asked me to talk about this with other people and I had Uncle Nasty was here at the weekend, we'll call him that, and he said to me that he often thinks about this and he thinks it's um, very interesting, this, this topic. And he said to me that he used to think that when you die, you either have a happy thought or a bad thought or a sad, scared thought, right? If you have the happy thought, you go to heaven. And if you have the shitty thought, you go to hell. That's the last thing you think of is imprinted in your mind. And that's where you end up. Obviously, he doesn't believe. Well, he doesn't believe that anymore. No, that's just what he used to think when he was younger, like growing up. Okay. But I thought that was interesting. You know, some people's deaths aren't great. No, but I would like to think that, and this is also coming back to Abraham, actually, that Abraham is a collection of entities that speak through this woman, Esther Hicks. These entities, maybe they are just kind of... The collective consciousness, maybe. No, not a collective consciousness. More that they are the... It's source energy. And that when we die, we go back into this source, which is love and light and everything that everyone says that they see and feel like you know a warm energetic hug up in wherever and if that's what it is then you know and do you know what I actually had this thought do you remember we on a previous episode talked about Westworld no do we you did you told me to watch it anyway oh okay yes watch it it's great it is great what if we are all we are just robots. beings? No, we are all these beings. And these beings say, okay, you've got to learn, you've got to learn a bit about life. You've got, we're going to throw you down into this, not a computer game, but you're into the, we're going to throw you into the earth game. And for your time on earth, you are not going to remember anything about being this celestial, amazing, ephemeral being. Right, light. Yes, yeah. You're down here. You have to go and be in this body because up there you have no body. You're just this being. You're in this body and you're that's that's it. And then when you die, you come back up here, you learn a few lessons, you get sent back down and do until you do if, better. If Charles Manson and people like that and Jeffrey Dahmer are part of a part of that beautiful ball of light and they come Everyone down and they is. do bad things. Everyone is. Even the most evil, horrible people, they are source energy. This is according to Abraham. And I wonder if when they die, they are welcomed up into this collective because their soul is cleansed. Like, I don't know. We're not going to know until we die. No. But you've opened up that whole Westworld matrix, whole kind of idea of what are we? Are we just little ants on a, on a log? Are we, you know, part of this 
great big source energy that keeps coming back, bouncing back into these bodies. Are we in the same dimension? I mean, there's just so much to think about, Michelle. It's doing my head in. Mine as well. And But I have to say, since watching that Netflix episode, it's really brought up a lot of a lot of stuff for me to think about and it's not easy yeah. they're not easy things to think about but no i feel like especially after reading sherry and me's story if if i'm not living my purpose i don't want to be faced i don't want to look back and think god look at all those hours and minutes and days and months yeah. and years that uh, i've wasted yeah. what was i doing why was i so worried about making that guy happy when i was miserable what a fucking yeah. waste of time. I've got to put me first. That's a lesson for everyone, Michelle. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're anyway. unhappy in a situation, you're just trying to make other people happy. That's not a good way to be. You've got to, you've got to put your own mask on first. It's all a lot to think about. <laughs> it's a lot to take on board. www.eavesdroppingpodcast.com Hello at eavesdroppingpodcast.com Email us a story. Share, like, all of that. Follow our social media. Like, subscribe. Instagram and Facebook. Yep, you know what you do. At eavesdropping underscore. You got that right. Eavesdropping. I've got some guinea pigs. I saw you FaceTimed them. I FaceTimed a guinea pig the other day. I didn't want them. No. And I was coerced by my children into getting them. Mm. And then they arrived and I was a bit like, oh, they're kind of cute. And when I got comfortable with holding them, now I can't stop. Oh. And when I went down to Kent to look after my father-in-law, I had to FaceTime them. I was missing them. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't wait to stop talking to you so I can go and h- hug one. Hug a guinea pig. Or two. Yeah. They're so sweet. Feel the joy of life. Oh, well. My fake cat, my pretend part-time cat. Is it Chinzano cat? A cat you have when you're not having a cat? Yeah, exactly. Oh, she's been lovely. She's been coming in. She's been giving so much love. Animals. Chinzano. If you had to come back as something else. Yeah, I'm just thinking about Chinzano. Should we bring that back? Right. Is it Chinzano? I the think drink you so. have when you're not having a drink. That is actually something else. That's from an ad that Jack Thompson used to do. Maybe and it was it's called not something. I can't remember what it was. But do you remember the drink you have when you're not having a drink was a non-alcoholic whiskey kind of drink. And Jack Thompson, one of Australia's best actors that no one's ever heard of outside of Australia anymore, he did an ad. It was called Clayton's, the drink you have when you're not having a drink. And did you notice one of my Instagram posts when we did the last week's episode, the Instagram post that accompanied it was me laughing ha 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 and telling the tail end of a joke and then he said now we can all get some sleep that was the Thompson's oh line in the ad he was telling the punchline of a joke oh, I didn't was that, know that now we can all get some sleep <laughs> well you're right it's not the Chinzano cat it's my Clayton's cat the, the cat you have when you're not having okay. a cat. No, you're absolutely right. It's not Chinzano. Right. But I still want to know what is Chinzano. Please write in. Write in and tell me what's Chinzano. Do I like it? Is it like Aperol? I like that. Aperol spritz. Might even have one Do you now. Know what? Maybe we should bring Chinzano back. Like they brought Aperol back. Is it nice? I don't know. I'm going to have to. Probably not. I don't know. I'm going to find out. I'm going to do some Chinzano research. Let's do that. In a glass. Why not? Okay. And then we'll come back to you, people. You can eavesdrop next week and we'll tell you all about Chinzano cocktails that might be nice. Or might not. 
Can I just tell you, I bet you it's chinzado is the kind of thing your parents have had in their liquor cabinet the for cabinet 45 years. Forever. So, Robin, if you've yes. got chinzano, please let us know. Please have a taste and let us know. Please get your chinzano out, mum. Have a little <laughs> taste. Maybe add some tonic water or something. And until then, keep on eavesdropping. Bye-bye. Eavesdropping. 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 Eaves